Welcome to the latest episode of Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABCs, adventure, books, and conversation at 11,000 feet. With your esteemed hosts, Dr. Stacy Adler of the Mono County Office of Education and Mr. Christopher Platt of the Mono County Free Library. Welcome to the Oxygen Starved podcast, where we bring you adventures, books, and conversations, your ABCs from 11,000 feet. I'm Stacy, And I'm Christopher. And with us, as always, is producer Doug. Yo-ho! Good morning, Doug. Good morning, Doug. Good morning. So, adventure, books, and conversation. Well, let's start with an adventure, as we always do, right, Stace? Yes, and you had a recent adventure. Yeah, as a minor one. We were just chatting, you know, it, this past weekend was the holiday weekend, July 4th. So, July 4th was like five days worth of celebrations around the county, right? So, on Saturday, uh, we drove up to June Lake, which is kind of in the center of, of Mono County, yep. and one of the most scenic scenically beautiful places on the planet. So beautiful. It's like you turn off the highway and go into this magic kind of like canyon loop of lakes upon lakes with surrounded by massive mountains and lots and lots of people and fishermen and, and hikers deer. and deer and squirrels and chipmunks <laughs> and everything else. On our way, you know, we were going up there to have lunch about 11.30 or so, we were getting really close and I saw the sign to Obsidian Dome turn left. Uh-huh. And the snow's gone, so we can drive all the way up to the dome. I'm like, Wills, who is my partner who has never lived here before, I'm like, let's go check this out, because Obsidian is amazing. And uh, to my surprise, because we were so close to lunch, she's like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you know, food comes first, usually, in our relationship. <laughs> So we turn off the road and, um, you know, I think it's only a mile or two off the highway. Yeah. So it's really easy to Very get close. to. Um, and you're driving through the forest and all of a sudden you kind of see this. It's literally a dome, a big kind of yes. crater dome, yep. volcanic thing of obsidian surrounded by pumice. And obsidian is, for those who don't really know it, it it's kind of black and shiny, striated, yes. right? Yes, exactly. So it's what the Native Americans would use to make arrowheads out of. Right, because it's so easily chippable. Yes, and mold shapeable, sharpenable. Yeah. And, you know, walking around the countryside on the Eastern Sea, you often run into small chunks of it, or if you're lucky, you may even find an arrowhead. Um, but this was amazing because you find these massive boulders the size of a car all obsidian yeah. and they're shiny and beautiful. So it just kind of is mesmerizing. Um, and yeah, he had never seen it before. So we took lots and lots of photos. And then of course it's surrounded by all that, that pumice. Yes. Can you tell us what's pumice? So pumice is what you use to scrape your heels or your hands to get the dead skin off. And it's a very porous kind of rock. So they used to mine it around here, yes, right? Yes, yes. And then they would grind it down to make powder for use in all different kinds of things. So what I remember about it is that it was the rock that floats. Yes, that's correct. It does. So so obsidian and pumice are both volcanic mm -hmm. rocks. Yeah. And it's just amazing to be out there in the middle of this kind of forest surrounded by all these rocks that came out of the earth and they're so very different. Pumice is so different from yes. obsidian. It's just, it blows your mind. Yeah. You've got one really hard, very strong, sharp, potentially lethal <laughs> material. <laughs> and then you have the, the pumice, which is just, 
easily breakapartable, like you said, will, would float. And we have visited Obsidian Dome many yeah. times. It's a place where we take family really? and friends from out of town because it's it's very different. You're not going to see anything like it anywhere else. Right. And so our my favorite experience was when we took my niece and nephew and my kid, my older daughter, who was, mm-hmm. I don't know, they were all about seven or eight at the time. We get there and the grownups are all looking at the huge obsidian mass and how beautiful it is. And my husband shares with the children that, oh, the pumice, you can use that to scrape your heels with. (laughs) And in no time flat, the shoes and the socks are (laughs) flying everywhere. And that was all the kids wanted to do was scrape their feet with the pumice. They could care less about the beautiful (laughs) obsidian and the all the beauty around them. Did you even make it up onto the dome? Oh, no, not at all. I think there were socks lost when I just... <laughs> You're right, though. When we were there, it was a holiday weekend. It was a beautiful day. There were a lot of people and families there. Yeah. Uh, so I was told there were 42,000 people, not locals, wow. in town over 4th of July weekend. How many people live here? So about 10,000 people live here year-round. So four times the amount of the locals yes. visited over the weekend. Yep. That's the kind of place we live in. That's amazing. I'm just crazy. Okay, take a breath. We'll be right back. You are dialed in to Oxygen Starve, the podcast that brings you your ABCs, adventure, books, and conversation from 11,000 feet. Originating from the slopes of Mammoth Mountain in Mono County, California, you can find us at SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us at OxygenStarvedPodcast.com. Just... Make sure you find us. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABCs. And we're on the B part. The book part. The book part. I'm a librarian. We're never going to not do the book part, right? Never. And I love to read, so I love to talk about books. That's Well, good. You're in the right space. I am. I am. And so are the listeners. So, um, yeah, we're about to chat about a book. Stacy picked it this this time. Can you tell us a little bit about it, Stace? So the book I chose was The Rosie Project, and I read it a few years ago, and it just was a great summer read. It, Laugh out loud, lots of fun, just a feel-good book. So so it's a novel. Yes, it's fiction. It's fiction, but it's a kind of light summer Quick reading fiction. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, we chatted beforehand. It's a novel. So, you know, there's a story arc and an ending. We're not, we're going to do our level best to avoid spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah. But um, we will talk about a few examples from the book just to kind of tease you and get you interested in it because it is a great book. It is. It came out, um, I did a little bit of research on it. As, as a library, you are want to do. Yes, I earned my paycheck on this one. So <laughs> uh, it came out in 2013. It was written by, it has been written by Graham Simpson. Simpson? Simpson. We think that's how his name is pronounced. I'm sure someone will correct us if we got it wrong. Yes, please do so. He's an Australian and he wrote this book. I don't know if he wrote this as a midlife crisis, but he was over 50 before he wrote this. It was his first novel. And he had been in an IT person. So very different, coming from a very different 
world do you think to he write just, this book. Do you think he just had a romance novel bubbling up inside him for 25 years? And then when he turned 50, he had a midlife crisis and said, I'm going to write that down. That's a good story. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he will write in and tell us. Yes, Graham, if you're out there, let us know. It was a major hit, though. And, uh, you know, there were similar major hits at the time, like Bridget Jones' Diary and others that came out that were kind of like debut novels that really took off. This one, the rights were sold in 30 countries when it came out the gate. Wow. Massive bestseller. It was a Library Reads top pick in October of that year, which means librarians were pushing this across the country to their patrons and their readers. So, you know, he really hit it out of the park. And uh, let's let's... Tell me a little bit about why it stuck with you, Stace. So the main character's name is Don. He is a genetics professor in Australia. It does take place in Australia. And he has Asperger's syndrome. So he has some challenges in his life with meeting people and particularly decides at 40 years old that he's ready to take a wife. So he embarks on this project, the Wife Project, to find his wife. And and you would kind of assume that that he would approach it that way. He would approach it as like a technical research Scientific, project. Scientific. Yes, very so he creates a survey. Okay. That he's going to use like a checklist and whomever he encounters, a female that he encounters, mm-hmm. he is going to run through this checklist. <laughs> kind of like those people that would accost you on a sidewalk and say, do you want to help save the whales? Is that, that the kind, way he was doing kind it? Of, kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he has his, his uh, partner at the university where he works kind of, and his partner's wife kind of guiding him and giving him suggestions along the way. Mm-hmm. And it's, just it is it literally is laugh out loud when i was reading it the first time i was laughing so hard my husband was like are you okay what's going on this must be a really funny book and it really is and you i mean i what i do and who i am as a person is very very far removed from a genetics professor mm-hmm. in australia who has asperger's syndrome mm-hmm. and Yet I connected with him so deeply (laughs) and everything that he goes through, it was, it's just a very human story. So like many good romance novels and many good funny romance novels, even if you're not like the character or don't think you're like the character, there's a lot that you can actually relate to here, right? Absolutely. And so the way the author, the way Graham uh, paints Don is his mm-hmm. name, right? right? Yep. Um, for those of you who don't know what Asperger's syndrome is, it's it's means you're on a spectrum. Correct. You're on the autism spectrum. On the lower end, or, the, or you could, might say the higher functioning end of the autism spectrum. Typically, people with Asperger's, even though there's so much variation in that diagnosis, if you will, mm-hmm. um, they have a little, they have a difficult time connecting socially. Right. They often would miss cues that people who don't have this diagnosis would pick up on. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, but they're very intelligent and typically will have one area of expertise particularly that they focus on. So 
he sets this character up kind of with all these things theoretically kind of like stacked up against him, right? right? He's he's on the spectrum. He's a he's he's got Asperger's, which we'll get to more in a bit. He's a scientist, which you know, in the trope of literature, scientists are often awkward people. Yes. Um and then he sets him up with this kind of impossible task to find a life partner. Right. Which this guy approaches very much as a research project. As you said, he comes up with a survey. He does not go out like, you know, he's not a guy who hangs out at bars and hits on women. Exactly. He, his time is very precious to him. He doesn't like wasting time. No. He even has a 94-minute house cleaning schedule that he <laughs> wants to hold himself to no matter what. Right. Um, and, you know, his friends, he has friends. He does. And they like they they want him to have a partner. They want it. They try to set him up from time to time. And one yes. of my favorite exchanges, it happens early on in the book when Graham is really setting up this main character for you to understand him really well is, you know, one of his friends suggests a fellow scientist um, that he might, you know, hit it off with and maybe they should go out. And he's, he asks a few preliminary questions as you would, right? Right. Um, and one of the questions that's, that I just laughed at was, you know, well, you know, is she evidence-based? <laughs> yeah. And for those of us who have lived in evidence-based decision-making for the last 15 years, who wouldn't relate to the humor in that? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, he, he definitely has these quirks about him, his standardized meal plan of every week, every day of the week is a particular meal. And in his kitchen, there are, is a shelf for the ingredients right. for that meal. And he explains to one of these dates right. how this is a reasonable, efficient, time-consuming, and cognitive opening way to handle his life. And you get it. Graham writes it so well that you're actually, you're coming from Don's perspective and you get the logic yeah. of all of this. This Absolutely. isn't, he's not a two dimensional character. He's very three dimensional. Very much so. And he also, you know, the author doesn't treat Asperger's as a joke. He treats no. it very seriously and acknowledges it. it's just part of who it's the character, who the Don character is. is. Yeah, absolutely. It's not, it's not a literary, he's not using it like a literary device or a, to make, he doesn't make Don a caricature. Right. And that's one thing that I really appreciated about this book and the way it was written. Well, it, you mentioned earlier, like, you know, once one aspect or of, of someone with Asperger's is that they often miss social cues, which in the dating scene as an adult, social cues drive things forward. And that's, to me, kind of what, made it so relatable. Yep. I don't think I have Asperger's, although reading this, I sometimes I'm like going back and thinking to myself, do I? It made me wonder about myself too. <laughs> it's like when you read medical diagnoses, they, they tell you you shouldn't read because then you just think you have it, right? Yes. Um, but who can't relate to being on awkward dates when they were younger and missing social cues and like walking out of a conversation and hitting yourself in the forehead thinking, oh, why did I say that? Always, right? You always review conversations in your head and think, oh, I should have done that differently or what right. have you. But so, so I found like the first 25 pages of this novel where he's really setting up the character, mm -hmm. some of the funniest, and it really drew me in. 
And he really sets him up as a very sweet character, yes. too. How he, even though he does have these social challenges, he's not unwilling to try to reach out to others. And that, I think, is very... Can it connected? You know, it really resonated that we're all we're all trying to make connections in our life, whether it's in finding a life partner or just finding a friend, right? And that made that character even more lovable. So um, you just set up the kind of foil for Don. It's a romance, so you would expect there's going to be someone on the other side of this relationship at some point in the book. Yes, and you'd kind of expect this person is going to be probably not, you know, on the Asperger's spectrum, right? Right. Kind of the opposite. And almost the polar opposite when he meets Rosie. Rosie. And she is, this becomes, instead of the wife project, it then becomes the Rosie project as he continues to build his relationship with her. And she's trying to connect on her own with someone, right? Absolutely. Yeah. She has her own issues that she's in demons, if you will, that she's grappling with. And that's how he decides to continue seeing her is he wants to, he decides that she's not for him, but he wants to help her. Because he can help her solve her problem in a very methodical research driven way. She without giving away the plot, she wants to connect with her long lost father. Right. Right. She she doesn't know who her father is. And so there's this whole thing around a DNA project and all this kind of stuff. And so him being a geneticist, he knows he can help her with that. Logically. And then hijinks ensue. Absolutely. Yes. And it's, it's just a feel good story and how they both, open up to each other, to other possibilities in the world. And they take a trip to New York. That's hilarious. Right. It's just, if you're looking for a great book to read this summer, check out The Rosie Project by Graham Simpson. And you're going to love it. Yeah. There's a, there are copies in the library. There are copies in the bookstore. I found a copy up in the Mono Lake Society bookstore in Levining the other week. It's like, oh, wow, we're reading that book. Um, It is a laugh out loud book. And, uh, you know, when I was reading through it, I was reminded of a couple of books. One, you know, there's one kind of repeated joke in here where he makes a an assumption on someone when he first sees them, he kind of makes what we all do the first right. impression, right? And yep. he mentally like judges that person and he does it on their BMI index. Mm-hmm. So he kind of assumes the BMI index of every new person right. he meets, <laughs> which as I was reading the book, I thought was very Bridget Jones diary kind of yes. thing. She's always started a chapter with how many cigarettes, how many calories, right. yada, 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 um, which kind of just makes it fun. Yep. Right. Kind mm-hmm. of speaks a little bit about the character. Um, and then, of course, the character does have Asperger's, and there's that great Mark Haddon book. Yes, The Curious Incident of the Black Dog in the Night. Uh, curious Incident of the Dog in the Night. Oh, Dog, dog in the Night, night sorry. Yep. <laughs> we'll get it right in the link in the show notes. Yes, we will link it appropriately there. But that's but a main another character. Another great, great story. Very different than The Rosie Project, but a really good, well-written, 
novel. Yeah. And that, that has some, it's humorous moments too. Yes, it does. Um, but I was also just reminded as well of a couple of other really good laugh out loud novels. I'll leave you guys with, um, in case the Rosie project is checked out when you go to the library, you know, of course you can read anything by David Sedaris. Um, who's a great humorist. He's often on NPR, uh, does collections of essays. He's very, very funny. One of the greatest novelists, uh, for humor that I like, whose contemporary is Christopher Moore. He's a yeah. Californian. He's written a number of, of very funny books set in California, mostly in Southern California or the Central Coast. And my favorite that's not set there is Lamb, the Gospel According to Biff, Jesus' Childhood Pal. And it's all about um, those that period of Jesus's life that is not does in the not Bible. does not get told. Yeah, and it is hilarious. Um, and then for those of you who read more nonfiction, there's a few laugh out loud books you might want to pick up at the library. Um, one of course is Bossy Pants by Tina Fey, which Great. is one of the funniest memoirs of the last 10 years, I think. And then for something kind of just out there, um, I was reminded, you know, being a librarian, we always talk about older titles, not just the newer titles. So one that came out about a decade ago is called Will Store versus the Supernatural. And it's all about this guy named Will Store, an author who goes out ghost hunting with different ghost hunters and demon hunters that still exist out there today across the country. And it is one of the funniest, funniest books about ghosts. It will make you laugh at the same time. It will make you turn the lights on when you're reading it in bed um, because it will freak you out. <laughs> and then of course you had one that you recommended the Chicago novelist, Jean Shepard. Yes. Um, and we will put the link to Jean's books in our show notes for you. And they're all Chicago-based stories. And if you're familiar with the Christmas Story movie, which is based it on, it was based on "In God We Trust, trust all, all Others Pay, pay cash. cash." Yeah, which is another laugh out loud, just kind of funny. You relate Hilar- to that, hilarious, right? And I think that's you know just a kind of a closing thought as a librarian who recommends a lot of books. Part of what makes books laugh out loud is that you do relate. Yep. At some level. And we know our listeners will relate with the characters in the Rosie Project. So, you know, we encourage you to check it out. Check it out and let us know what you think when you do. I think we're ready for another break, right, Stacey? Yep. Keep- I need to I need to breathe a little. I do too. We'll be right back. <laughs> of course I don't have my underwear. I'm definitely not wearing my underwear. Not my underwear. Many, many thanks today go to the folks at Sierra Wave Media. Purveyors of top-notch local radio, television, and web media and news, they spotted us some of the necessary tech to get oxygen-starved up and running. We hope you'll check them out in order to help us express our appreciation. Thanks, guys. Check them out on Alt 92.5 FM, on TV3 slash Outside TV from Suddenlink, or on their info-packed website, sierrawave.net. Okay, welcome back. We're so excited this week to have with us Sean Turner, CEO and President of Mammoth Brewing Company. Welcome, Sean. Welcome, Sean. Thank you for having me. We're so glad you're here. There's a lot going on at the brewery these days. There's a lot going on at the brewery these days. Tell us all about that. Wow. Well, uh, Mammoth Brewing Company is acquiring a brewery twice our size located up in Reno just because they have, well, not just because, um, frankly, because it's a great brand, oldest mm-hmm. brewery in Nevada. Wow. But also, uh, they've got a lot of extra production space that Mammoth Brewing Company does not have. So it's going to allow us to really expand our production and distribution primarily into Southern California, reach into the San Francisco Bay Area, Bay Area market in the year wow. 2020. Take over California. 
Well, I wouldn't say take over, but certainly represent the Eastern Sierra. You know, that's our yeah. goal. Awesome. Something I've always believed in is uh, really kind of capturing the lifestyle of the High Sierra here on the east side. That's great. And the beautiful thing about Great Basin is I think they do a great job of really capturing lifestyle, you know, specifically with regard to outdoor recreation of the great state of Nevada. So, um, and we're kind of on the Nevada side, you know, we're on the All east side. Us, yeah. yeah. So uh, we can see. See Boundary Peak from our brewery for crying out loud. So um, <laughs> it's a great little merger. That's really, really exciting. Like I said, we're about to triple in size. Um, we've got about 45 employees, they've got about 110. So um, that's kind of exciting. Uh, Is that going to change the um, types of beer that you brew, or are you going to no, stick? Will yeah. Mammoth? Brewing companies still produce the same. You bet. That's exactly the whole point. Is you know the IPA oh, three ninety five, the Golden yeah. Drought. You know those are our favorite beers. Epic IPA is our number one seller. Um, no, my goal is to keep both brands unique and distinct, as I call them. You know, like I said, really keep both brands. Um, the big thing that I'm really excited is that Mammoth Brewing Company is going to be able to get back into aluminum cans. Oh, good. Which oh. you know we had an aluminum can line. I was. You know, we acquired one when I first moved to town in the year 2007, and it was great. Um, and frankly, I should have held on to it and <laughs> sold off the bottling line. But, um, you know, because everyone who originally said they weren't going to be in aluminum cans ever, you know, have now fully embraced it. And that's yeah. really the way of the future in craft beer. That's great. So kind it's, of exciting. I, I'm relieved to hear that you're going to still keep the Mammoth line. Epic IPA is one of my favorites. So Yeah, thank you. That's awesome. Um, you know, and the root beer is actually, believe it or not, our number one growler fill out of the tasting room. You're kidding. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of fun because we get so many families yep. come in. Every Thanksgiving. Yeah. Well, <laughs> every summer, believe me, we have the kids come in. My son loves our root beer, so... Um, I'll have to check that out. I yeah. haven't checked out the root beer yet. My yeah. kids, my kids, my nephews love it. Yeah, it's a, it's a big thing around our house. It's also fun filling up a growler, right? Getting yep. a growler. It's kind of special. You're mm-hmm. taking it home. That's exactly right. Yep. Yeah, it's good yeah. fun. So, And then there's Bluesapalooza coming up. And then Bluesapalooza is so coming up. So what was the evolution of Bluesapalooza? Well, uh, what is the evolution of Bluesa? You know, when I first acquired the company in 2007 from Sam Walker, and, you know, I owned my own beer companies in the Bay Area. I've been in the beer business for a long time, but when we moved to Mammoth Lakes, Bluesa Palooza was, you know, it was a small day and a half mm-hmm. festival. Um, I never saw it at Dempsey's Woodside, or originally mm-hmm. it was actually in the parking lot at Whiskey Creek there. <laughs> um, but, you know, we were always on the Woodside, at least since I've been here. And my goal was to really uh, turn it into more of a world-class event. And I think we've done a good job with yeah. that, specifically with uh, I aligned us with the California Craft Brewers Association, wow. which is really the nonprofit that promotes craft beer in the state of California. And um, they got involved, and so we've since become a very uh, desirable beer festival to attend. Uh, every single brewery that comes really argues this is the best beer festival on the west coast and um so we really elevated the experience you know we did raise the ticket price kind of significantly you know since at least 2007 not last several years but because the whole point was to really increase the value of the show sure and um i think we've done a great job of that sure you you've elevated it conceptually and physically right right (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) not quite eleven thousand feet but close Close. like who wouldn't want to go to a beer festival in, in 
the scenic surroundings of the Eastern Sierra and Mammoth Lakes. That's amazing. And in Sam's Woods right now, it's just such a, it's a beautiful setting and it's really fun. It's a perfect time of year, summer. Yeah. And this year we got Trombone Shorty and um, Charlie <laughs> Musselwhite and Jimmy Vaughn. Um, and then, you know, the really exciting part that's kind of local is we've got the ukulele kids that are opening up the event. Ukulele kids. Awesome. Yeah. And the ukulele kids are from the local elementary school, Mammoth Elementary School, and they practice at the library. They do. They do. And they're sponsored and supported by Infinite Music Foundation, which is one of our um, uh, bar beneficiaries. Oh, very nice. Um, the nonprofits, and there are seven nonprofits that are involved, um, together receive over $50,000 wow. through wow. Blues of Palooza, through actions of their own, whether they are running the bars and right. keep all the tip money or doing all the parking outside the event or being the bar beneficiary. Oh, that's awesome. It is. Thank it's you for exciting. supporting the community. Well, the community really supports us, and yeah. I want to be very clear. God, I, you know, it brings in melts my heart every year when I look around the event and I see all the locals that honestly we could not put on this caliber of an event without the support of the community. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. That's great. Can I ask you a little bit about, um, you know, there's the Mammoth Brewing Company. There's another brewery that's open in Mammoth. There's the mm. June Lake Brewing mm. up in the June Lake Loop. What is it? Is that competition or does that help no. build the audience and bring people into um you know, enjoy craft brew and local brew. That's exactly what it is. No, it's not competition at all. And actually, we all work very, very closely. Saw Justin and Sarah just the other day, you know, Mountain Rambler was at the um, a wine walk. Yep. And, you know, so um, there's four or five breweries now on the we- on the east side. Yeah. One in Bridgeport as well. Uh, you know, Blacked Out, uh, yep. changing their name and moving to the old police station. Yep. June, uh, June Brewing Company, mm-hmm. Mountain Rambler down in Bishop. You know, really exciting about what's going on in craft beer. And yeah, we we really do view it as a um, rising tide raises all boats. And that's why Mammoth Brewing Company is such a big supporter of the California Craft Brewers Association. Uh, that's great. It's for the entire industry. That's so great. at the brewery here in Mammoth, mm. you partner with Blue, is that correct? Brandon and Teresa Brocha are two of the best business partners I could ever have. I know enough about restaurants to know I did not want to run one. (laughs) And they are absolutely precious to work with, sincerely. Um, You know, we make a good team and they make great food and it's just a great Yeah, it is good food. Yeah, Yeah, we we enjoy it every time we come by and (laughs) it's great to see partnerships between locals working together. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of people don't know this. Mammoth Brewing Company has about 45 employees and we've got four different divisions. You know, we've got the tasting room, the brewery production team, the warehouse and delivery team, and the admin team. And uh, and then we've got Blues of Palooza, um, you know, which is its own business. I'll bet that's a full year round occupation. It is. And then, you know, when we get close to the event, you know, we've got couple hundred employees who sure. for just the weekend. Sure. All locals, or most of them all locals. That's great. Well, we will ma- make sure that we put a link to Palooza and the brewery into our show notes so our listeners can find you. Do you want to tell our listeners the dates of Blueza this year? Yeah, first, it's always the first Saturday in August. Um, so this year it's August 1, 2, 3, and 4. The first is Thursday night, and that really is locals night. And so, Great. like I said, the ukulele kids are opening up um, the show. They are opening the show. That's awesome. Um, on Thursday night. And, um, you know, I know it gets really crazy on Friday and Saturday yeah. night. And we've actually really tempered back the tickets. Uh, Saturday-only tickets are sold out the 
only way you can come on Saturday is mm-hmm. to buy a multi-day. Um, and then, you know, Sunday we have Bloody Marys and it's kind of a locals day as well. But Thursday night is really, really fun because everyone's getting real excited about yeah. the yeah. weekend. And uh, we're going to do a lunch, a couple of awards, you know, just kind of recognizing some locals um, Great. this year. And yeah, so that's good fun. That's wonderful. Well, yeah. we can't wait. Thanks yeah. so much for all that information. And we always ask our guests because we love to talk about reading and books yep. here mm-hmm. at the podcast. What are you reading now? Well, uh, <laughs> um, I personally am reading A Dog's Journey right now. Oh, nice. Which is the follow-up to uh, Dog's Purpose, which, mm-hmm. oh, my God, my son loves to tell. Yes, I did cry, okay? Um, and so I'm reading that with my son as well as one of the Harry Potter books. He's halfway, you know, he's right. in the series. Sure. Yes. And, uh, you know, the other book that I'm reading actually is, um, you know, I, I'm always reading those self-help team building books yeah. and God, they're great, you know, yeah. just yep. for those inspirational things. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Awesome. Dog books are always great. And in fact, we were just chatting before the recording about all the Eastern Sierra working dogs that showed up at the book festival on Sunday and how that really brought a lot of people out. I just love hanging around dogs and I read all the dog books too. I can really appreciate that. Well, it's a, it's a kind of a requirement to live in Mono County. I, you I'm have to own that. a truck and a dog. So yeah, or two or, three. or they don't let you move here so um dogs are great and sean thanks so much for visiting with us today really appreciate your time thank you for having me and uh thank you listeners for um joining us on another episode of oxygen starved remember to rate us on apple Podcasts. you can find us on soundcloud iHeartRadio, anywhere else you can find podcasts these days and you can also follow us on instagram at O2 Starved. That's our handle. That's I think that's what it's called now. A handle. O2 Starved, starved. Yep. and on Instagram. So yeah, look forward to your comments. Uh, rate us, tell your friends, and join us next time. Keep breathing and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to Oxygen Starved. Our outro music, Iron Bacon. Composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. Incompetech.com, Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.